So the question is, how do women like us, age 50 plus, and dealing with high blood pressure, high blood sugars, and rising cholesterol levels, how do we keep our health numbers under control while we're trying to squeeze all the goodness we can from our life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I uncover the secrets of living a plant-based lifestyle, including how to avoid taking medicine simply by eating whole foods, shed the extra fluff around your middle without being hungry or joining a gym, make big lifestyle changes even if you think you have no willpower, eat food you love with no portion control. Let's get your doctor to say, wow, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. All this without meds or restrictive dieting. I'm Robin Wong, and welcome to No Pills, No Hunger. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to No Pills, No Hunger. This is Robin Wong. I hope you're having a great day. Uh, Yes, it is Friday. Yay. What a week it has been. I have been really putting in the hours to put on with my team. Uh, my business partner uh, to put in the um, on the finest the finishing touches on the upcoming Women with T2D Summit, uh, the www.t2dwomensummit.com uh, is where you can sign up for free. Uh, it's all virtual, okay? And the uh, yeah, the link will take you to a sign up page. You just put in your information, your email, because what we do is we send you on day one, which will be June 29th, we have like eight speakers lined up, we send you an email and you have the links. And so you literally just go to link one, link two, so you can go to link one, listen to Dr. Guzman, who's a clinical psychologist who works with people with diabetes dealing with the stresses. I think the title is Diabetes Burnout. And then you go to you can go to link two, um, I'm trying to think who else we have on day one. There's so many good people. But we have someone talking about emotional eating. And, uh, and then we have you know, all, all these different links. And so you can start and stop them. And then you have 24 hours to watch them. So at the end of the 24 hours, because um, you know, you're busy during the day, uh, you can, you can, they're a half hour, roughly a half hour each. So you could technically watch them all after work, okay, um, in between, during your day. And then at the end of 24 hours, those will come down. And then day two, June 30th, you'll get a whole new batch. And it goes like that for three days. So June 30th and then July 1st, you'll have the last batch of information of all the um, speakers. And uh, there's over 20 different um, speakers, and they're not all the same. There are wide varieties. We have chefs and dietitians and doctors and naturopaths and uh other podcasters and you know, just and many of them are living with type 2 diabetes so they're such a great resource to show that you can you know you can live well it doesn't have to be this sad gonna have complications sort of outcome so that's that um, and so back to what we're doing today today uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about honor your hunger because I want to make sure that uh, it's a process, and so when I work with my clients, it's not just a 20-minute type thing I tell them to go do, right? Like we've been doing in these podcasts, it's really a work in progress, and it's developing these skills kind of one by one, and some days are better than others, right? Some days I find my clients are really able to kind of 
check in with their hunger and fullness and really, um, you know, eat throughout the day and, and not get in their heads about, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be hungry and know that it's okay to nourish your body. Okay. So that's something that it takes people a little time, uh, especially if there's a diet mentality, uh, which is prevalent in our culture, I've got to say, uh, to get to, all right. It really is. It's, it's a while. It's like, you know, and just realizing that, Okay, every day is not going to be the same with my eating habits. So with that said, one of the last things I'd like you to try to implement is really kind of have a, a plan. Um, let's call it a nourishment plan, okay? A feed your body plan. And it's for those times, it, and it's really almost it'd be better to call it a self-care nourishment plan because really nourishing your body is a true act of self-care. And I think people don't look at it that way so often. Um, and we talked a little bit about this a few days ago, that it's, it's um, yeah, women will often take care of themselves and do something for themselves it, with the you know idea that, oh, it'll give me the energy to then help somebody else or care for somebody else or do these tasks that are for my family. We're very, we're not, many of us are not inwardly focused. We feel very selfish when we take time or do something for ourselves, whether it's we spend money on ourselves or we give ourselves time or, you know, whatever that is. Um, I, I'm raising my hand because I have been guilty of this. I would spend money on um, my kids' health or something for my children way before I'd spend money on myself um, to buy myself a treat or something else. And I think this is something that was modeled by my own mother. My, I grew up in a family of seven children and money was tight, very tight. And so my mother would buy her kids shoes before she'd buy herself shoes, right? So maybe it's just, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is not a, a universal because I have five sisters and so I see this with all my sisters. So in my world, that that's uh, most of the women, right? <laughs> Which I could be wrong about this because, um, but I have many of my friends are the same way. So uh, it's a generalization, but it is something I have witnessed that, um, especially when it comes to children, um, you know, women will put themselves um, behind in order with taking care of themselves, you know, behind the children. So when we're honoring our hunger, that's a very personal thing. And so you really do have to look inward and make time to do it and realize that it's not selfish. Self-care is not selfish. Okay. It's not. It is, um, you deserve to take care of your body and deserve to take care of yourself, not because you're taking care of somebody else, but because you're worthy, right? And um, your health is important. So I want you to really try to internalize that and feel it. Try it on for size. See what it feels. It's uncomfortable at first. It's taken me years to get to this point. And, um, you know, I really, uh, I'm hoping that you can uh, get there as well. So let's talk about making kind of the self-care. This is not my term, by the way. This is something that um, I, you know, Evelyn Triboli uses in her intuitive eating workbook, which um, I'll put the link for this again into the show notes, um, because I'm hitting this workbook at a very high level, just because I have found it so useful for my clients to take exercises out of this, to really um, implement and uh, develop the skills that are important for these intuitive eating principles. And really the idea is to stop this chronic 
dieting, get out of the diet mentality. We need to fight back against that. All right. The beauty when I went down to Fiji, the beauty of that culture in that women, um, and unfortunately the Western culture is seeping in and with media and everything else. And so you're seeing the younger generation be more um, critical of their bodies. Uh, but the older generations, you know, um, Fijians typically, um, and um, native Fijians are, you know, sturdy people. Even the women are very tall and muscular and strong. Um, oh, they're just such beautiful people. And um, they carry their weight very well. But body size, um, they don't worry about it. So having extra fluff, so to speak, is beautiful to them okay it's um uh, and you know it's it's not even discussed uh especially like i said in the older cultures and the younger cultures I, I think it's more it's becoming more of an issue because of the influences from outside but uh typically you know and this is even true in other cultures as well little extra fluff meant that you had enough to eat all right it meant that you um, could afford enough food and so um, there's really different judgments around that. It's, it's really an interesting um, shift to how uh, I see things happen here in, um, in the U.S. But so let's create your plan. Uh, so uh, really what it starts with is making a list, okay, of what you could eat when your hunger cues kick in, all right? And it's, it's not like when they're... Um, you know, they're not just present, but you really have a desire to eat, all right? You want to know that, okay, where, what can I eat when they start, when I really want to eat? And, you know, what are my choices? And, and then know that there's going to be different things that you can eat based on when those kick in. Because let's say you know that day you might have, um, you're meeting a friend for lunch. How fun would that be? And so you're like, okay, I'm going to eat breakfast, and, and you fill yourself up to your seven, and then you take a snack because you might get hungry between breakfast and when you meet your friend. And so you have a plan of maybe something light to eat uh, to, you know, that you can feel your hunger, feed your hunger, and then still go have lunch and enjoy it with your friend and not be ravenous, right? And so you'll be able to make different choices. And so that's sort of what I mean by making a plan. It's... Um, it's really having these emergency meals and snacks. And I, you know, when I work with my clients with type 2 diabetes, this is really an important um, thing because, you know, you're always managing your blood sugars, right? And so sometimes those lows ha happen. So my guess is this is not going to be a stretch for you uh, to, to make a plan like this because if you're managing the lows, um, you're already probably carrying, um, you know, some food with you, these emergency food, this these snacks with you. The question I would ask you though, are you hitting the lows because you haven't eaten enough in that last meal? I mean, we talked about that. Sometimes that's when your hunger hits is because you really didn't eat a full meal. You just kind of ate toast and coffee as you were running out the door instead of maybe having a bowl of oatmeal with berries, which is more of a meal, right? So um, really, uh, really reflect on the meals that are easy for you to prepare or, or we kind of take on the go and that are appealing and that usually can sustain your body for a few hours, right? You want to be able to make sure that it's not just the air food we talked about because you're avoiding the calories. 
it's like, you know, um, that's not going to hold you over. It's not going to fuel your body. It's not. It's going to maybe fill you up for a little bit, but it's not giving your body anything to work with to run off of. Okay, so think you have to think of it a little differently. Uh, it can be, you want it to be substantial enough that your body can use those calories to, to motor itself. It's kind of like putting gas in the gas tank, okay? Um, so it really helps. Um, I'm a list person, and I'm trying to get out of being a list person on paper. My son's been telling me, Mom, put everything on your phone, everything on your computer, but I am old-fashioned. I use um, a, a paper calendar still. I mean, my first career was being a legal secretary. We calendared everything on a big calendar to make be sure that we didn't miss any deadlines. That habit is slow to die, I've got to tell you, but I'm getting there. But you could, you know, just keep a running list of sort of meal ideas and snack ideas. And this is something Evelyn kind of has you do in the workbook. And so you just really, um, you know, write them down. And so when you're really stressed and, um, you know, meeting, you know, eat, eating a meal might seem like impossible, you have a substantial snack you can go to. All right. What about hummus? Hummus is pretty filling with carrot sticks. Um, but can you pack it in your, in your um, bag? Maybe not. Maybe you can have it stashed at the office refrigerator or something like that. I have packed it in my bag, believe it or not, but, um, you know, on airplanes, but I eat it first because it, I don't want it to go bad. But so just know that, um, you know, it's something you want to sustain you for a couple of hours until you can get to your next real meal. That's how you should look at your snacks. And then um, the last thing I want to leave you with is it's, you know, be flexible, okay? This is a learning process. Really, you know, show yourself grace, show yourself compassion, and um, you won't really know if this list that you've made works until you kind of put it into action and you, you try it out and you're like, oh yeah, I could have used two of those snacks or I could have used a bigger snack or less, I was too full, maybe I ate too much of the snacks, I waited to be, I was too hungry and then I maybe overfilled, and so I wasn't ready for lunch. And you know, there's nothing that says you have to go to lunch and have a full meal. You can go to lunch and eat an appetizer or a bowl of soup. It doesn't have to be a, a huge thing. And same thing with dinner. And in fact, um, a lot of people like to eat a bigger meal at breakfast and you know, kind of a second larger meal at lunch and then eat a lighter meal um, at dinner. Uh, because they feel, and you have to work with this, but they find it, it helps them manage their diabetes better overnight, and they have a snack later in the evening, right? And so it helps them manage their blood sugars. So it's really finding out what works for you and being flexible. That is such the key in life in general and everything. I learned this, I learned this skill of being flexible when I had my four children because I would have a great plan lined out about who was going where and what time and I was picking them up and doing this and one thing would fall out of place that would set you behind and then this like a domino effect and now you're scrambling trying to reorganize everything and so I would make a loose plan, but not be too tied to it because I knew inevitably it was not going to go down that way, but it really helped with structuring a loose plan because then I could easily adjust it because in my mind I had kind of all the things I had to get done. Sometimes the order had to change. And this is really how I want you to approach your, your meals, okay, and your snack ideas. So your kind of your nourishment self-care plan, okay? So um, work on that. Try to work on that and see how it works for you. I am known for having snacks in my purse. I, I carry a giant 
bag, kind of a canvas bag that I call a purse. And I carry a wallet and a phone and snacks, <laughs> you know, I mean, really, it's kind of how I do it. And, um, and I'm really, I feel kind of lost if I don't have a snack in there because I know the day will probably get away from me and I'll, I'll get hungry and I won't have time to really sit down and eat until, and so I need to hold myself over. So anyway, that's that. I hope you have a great day and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in today. I know there's about a million ways you can spend your time and I really do appreciate that you spent some time with me. Thank you. If you got something out of this episode and know someone who would also appreciate it, make sure to share it with them. We are all trying to get healthier in order to live well and you can show them you care about their health by sharing the, these messages. Want to start improving your health today? One place I like to start with clients is breakfast since morning habits are the easiest to build. That's why I created a guide called Three Breakfasts to Lower Blood Sugars, which includes easy, delicious recipes for my favorite meals to start the day. Pick it up today for free at page.nutritionwithrobinrdn.com forward slash guide, or click the link for Three Breakfasts to Lower Blood Sugar in the show notes. Thanks again, and see you in the next episode.